This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Emily Thompson from Wellington, Florida. You're listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for March 7th, episode 1646, brought to you today by Essequestrian. Good morning, Horse World. Oh, my God. It's Tuesday. It's top-class show jumping uh, at the very best. Every horse is different, and you've got to be able to understand and read each different horse. Remember, we're looking for those clears in this round to go forward to the jump off. You can't ask for anything more. It's just pure theatre. Emily, when you do your introduction each month, you sound so serious. Am I serious? Yes, you are. At the big, I am serious. You're very serious. Before, before the show starts and we're doing our pre-show meeting, it's all fun and games. But boy, once we hit that live button, you are, you've got your George Morris on. You have to be, I think. <laughs> and I hate corkscrews. <laughs> no, wait, 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 back, back, back. Give me, give me a reference point on I hate corkscrews. No, he just, he does. I didn't know. I mean, had I known, I would have behaved differently, but I showed up at a horse trial the other day with a wonderful horse, Jump Super. Um, but he, he did. He showed up in a corkscrew. I did it. I put it on. I put the corkscrew on. And George, <laughs> he does not like corkscrews. Oh, bit. Okay, that. bit. It's a bit. I think okay. Jennifer was thinking wine. <laughs> I, was gonna, I think she was. What the heck no, does have to do no, with a bottle joking. of Grigio? I felt bad. I thought, oh, my God, I put on the wrong bit. Here, I, you know, if I had something else, I would have, but it was an off-grounds trial, so so everyone yeah. was, like, giving me a hard time because it was, like, right away. I was like, I'd already made a problem. So you and Jamie have yet another thing in common. You've both offended George Morris. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it was. I had no idea, but yes. And it feels bad, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it will Jamie hurt for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't live it down, you know. No. No, you'll you'll wake up in a cold sweat on Friday <laughs> yes. nights before you go to horse shows. <laughs> I mean, people actually say that to me in passing. <laughs> I hate corkscrews. <gasps> ah, oh I'm God. never going to use a corkscrew again. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, there are lots of other people who have never met George Morris who also hate corkscrews. So you've joined a very popular club. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I'm in. There you hey, you could have showed uh, up on one of those bicycle chain bits. Oh my I mean, god! Gonna... <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he's, the horse is like 18 hands. I mean, at least he's in a you know some sort of snaffle. I thought, but you <laughs> well, know. Did you know, at least he's not crashing through I, everything. I mean, he's 18 hands. No, exactly. He was doing it well, but George wanted a slow twist, so. Mm. Next, next day, that's what we had on. There you it go. Was a big hit. So, um. That horse's head weighed more than your whole body. He's enormous. Yeah. He is. He's absolutely How enormous. How do you put a bridle it's... on him with like an extension ladder? Oh, no. It's a total embarrassment. I can't. <laughs> I was going to say, you're and, like, like five at the horse two. Show, 
It's even worse at the horse show because he gets off the truck, you know, and he's like a brontosaurus. I mean, he's I'm just like, there's no, he sticks his head up and he's looking around because he's real a hot horse too. Like he's not, he's light and electric. And I'm like, Bertrand, you know, the dealer that I ride for, he's very tall. I'm like, you can't just leave me here with the horse. It's embarrassing. You need to take the horse <laughs> gets off the trailer and put the reins over the head. I stand here and I'm like jumping and sometimes I have to get on the side of the trailer and get him over. And he's just, ah, you know, he stands to attention with his ears like. <laughs> straight up yeah he puts his head up nobody's putting his bride along no. let's be honest no 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 he's <laughs> a big big boy that's the one that jumps so fantastic that i'm always posting on uh facebook he's so cool he's such a nice nice Emily, horse. that's the size of our percheron that we have. He literally yes it's that size but he he's got a lot of blood he's got like a narrow shoulder and he's you know i think he goes in like a 50 maybe a 52 girth holy cow that's what little lady bitty nigel wears <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's weird because i'm not that tall like it, tacking is an embarrassment getting the saddle on is very complicated for me the whole thing but uh riding him is a piece of cake it's just getting on you <laughs> getting know on. also it's complicated that's like the knights of old <laughs> yeah there you you do. I wish I had a ladder. I have, I, I've got a curious, curiosity question for you. Have you ever had one of those horses? Because this is my first um, experience. Once you put the, they're fine about putting the bridle on. Put the bridle on. Open your mouth. Put it over your ears. No, no worries. They stick their head on the ground and will not lift it up. Oh, yes. Oh, I my gosh. I know. <laughs> it's like I have, to, I, I have to buckle the nose band and the throat latch while on my knees. What's the deal? I know. I know. I don't know what the deal is. They do that. I think they're just reaching for the bit, but sometimes I'll put, 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 pick them up and put them on my shoulder. Oh, it, I've never had a horse that does this, and it's gotten more pronounced. When I first got him, he'd just kind of hang his head on the ground. like, oh, do, do, do. cool. <laughs> I fine. mean, they can go all the way down. Now he like puts his lips on the dirt. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> I think he's just doing it to yank my chain. I think they're reaching for the bit, though. You know, you kind of you you want that. I mean, the, let me just say that of the horses that I have that do that, they're generally all very supple horses. I don't know if that's you know. Oh, so there's hope. Goes, You're saying there's I, hope that that Nigel I mean, will become the, more supple. The other alternative is you can't even get it on because they're sticking their you know eyeballs <laughs> up on the ceiling. So I've had some of those too, and they know. I mean, yeah. their nose is up. You know, that's they're tough. just like no nope, yeah. forehead flat. You know, on the ceiling. Yeah, that one's. Tough. Uh, so that's no fun. But the yeah, the stretchers, that's hard too. Yeah. But I think they want the bit, you know. Well, I'm, I think I would rather have the stretcher because you know he's he's cool with getting that bridle on. Sure, stick it on my face. I don't have any trouble with that. Yeah. You know, and usually uh, yeah, getting the buckles. The yeah, thing. usually that stargazer. There's there's some deeper issue that we're trying to work out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah hey, I wanted sure. to I wanted to um, say thank you very much because I took some of your advice from last month's show. Oh, cool. We were talking about... Um, you have one person that listens to me. Yeah, I listened. <laughs> I know. I, I was yay, there. I took yay. notes. <laughs> we we, we talked. We, um, I think it was one of the questions I posted about horses who are quick to fences. And you talked about okay. you have to figure out first why the horse is quick to the fence. Is it because he's eager or is that way his, his way of dealing with being less confident or scared? Right. Well, Nigel get, tends to get quick to fences, and Nigel also tends to knock fences down. He's a little klutzy. So I kept thinking, well, I need to add more fences. I need to put grids up. I need to teach him to get back on his hocks and be more clever. Um, and I listened to your thing, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm completely wrong here. And the reason he's quick is because he's lacking confidence, and he's a little scared. 
And the klutziness is a separate issue altogether. Well, that would kind of make sense because he tends to be a timid horse anyway. So I took your advice and I simplified things. I made very simple, straightforward obstacles, not lots of grids, plenty of time to think about getting to the next one, yada, yada, yada. And completely different horse a month later. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. That's awesome. So he was, he was nervous a little bit, not sure. Yeah. And then sometimes that, produces klutziness and yeah i've never experienced that with you know each horse teaches you something new right yeah and oh, I, yeah. I never had a combination of let's knock the fence down and let's rush at Run. the fence and i'm scared of the fence <laughs> all on the same horse he's a basket yeah. case <laughs> yeah you know what a lot of them are though like because you have to be so thoughtful with those gymnastics <clears throat> excuse me yeah. when you start because you uh, especially with that with the quick factor because yeah. you think oh well i'm just gonna throw you know 100 poles down here and slow them down and you know, your nervous it, yeah. nurse is like, I'm going to try to jump as many as I can at once and get out faster yeah. and uh, in the process, take them all down. Very different. And then yeah. run faster. And then go faster again. The and he was, he was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, he'd get quick, he'd oh, hang yeah. a leg, he'd knock it down. He says, see, I told you it would hurt my leg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they love to blame you for sure. <laughs> you got to, that free jump in. That's why I like that a little bit on the lunge. You're like, all right, buddy, yeah. like you're yeah. doing it. I'm well, and that was, that was something else I did is um monty roberts who is one of the one of those trainers that i greatly admire and find many 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 useful things with is a great component of long lining versus lunging Mm. so i said okay no more lunging for nigel we put him on long lines now and i've been working over ground poles and little teeny tiny you know 10 inch cavaletti a lot on long lines again much more confident horse it's interesting because when he's on the long lines, he's like, uh, da, 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 da. kind of has yeah. a different attitude. There's no emotion involved. Yeah. I think especially you, sometimes those horses, they're the ones that really want to please too. So not only do you have all of these sort of problems happening, but it's kind of originally coming. They're a little bit of an overachiever and they might be slightly nervous anyways, but it just sort of snowballs. All of it goes together. But yeah, you remove a couple things out of the equation, whether it be poles, the rider. I mean, that's a huge thing, the weight distribution. I mean, I have horses that I've taught how to jump uh, as like three and four year olds. And I mean, like, I mean, I, I had one, I mean, I think I had like 40 faults or something. (laughs) I was jumping like the eight, you know, the 80 centimeters, you know, Mm -hmm. on a a four year old. And I mean, I, I looked up at the scoreboard. I was like that. I mean, it's impressive. You know, we took them all down. We took like both rails of oxers, all of the, <laughs> all of the line, you know, like it was to a degree that I was like, wow, you know, and unbelievable. Maybe he's not a jumper, but he's bred for it. A little bit the same thing would rush and uh, he wanted to jump high and powerful, but would just tear it down instead with the back legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that horse went on to be a double clear street course uh, to date. One of my best, he had one of my worst classes with the most number of faults. And then as a five-year-old, I won a five-year-old jumper class with him and I shaved like four seconds off the turn. He was like allergic to the jumps going around, jumping so tight. One of my best rounds, but they, you know, it's, it is, you just kind of have to meet them where they are. You got to really evaluate. Yeah. Like Interesting point I, right there. Yeah. You have to meet them where they are. And I had a very similar experience. One of my best event horses I ever had, it took him a full year to figure out two ground poles in a row. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, we went from cross rails to verticals again, six months to figure that out. (laughs) Well, you, you guys remember, or you weren't there, I guess, but Glenn was there when I was trying to teach that little thoroughbred horse how to jump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Remember? Yeah. And like, I mean, we we're tripping. It, 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 it appeared to be dangerous to go over even ground poles because all four feet would clunk, 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 like you've got a shoelaces <laughs> tied together. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I've never experienced this. But that's the little horse I posted that video of a few weeks ago, jumping through like a meter 10 gymnastic. So he just didn't know where his feet were. And it took a little time. Hey, some to... of us take a little longer to figure things out, okay? <laughs> but maybe me and Jen are just really impatient. We're, just, <laughs> we're not like that because we're really naturally Look, she's been married for, the first time. to me for 30 so. years, Emily, and still I'm hasn't patient. figured me out. So yeah, I'm patient. There you go. Really, really patient. Hey, guys, before uh, we have to... Uh, Jennifer's hosting today, but we kind of had some technical difficulties with Skype. Uh, it was down this morning, and luckily we're all here. If we If we do get cut off for all the live listeners... Uh, we'll try and come back <laughs> at some point if they what? fix the problems. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that in case uh, we do get cut off for the live listeners. Yeah, and speaking of which, because we'll, we'll gab, gab along about our favorite ponies and not-so-favorite ponies for the next hour and a half, it's, gonna be, uh, it's about time to get hold of our first guest. Why don't you tell everybody who's coming up here? So we have our first guest is Ms. Sharon Bach. <clears throat> Excuse me. She runs a year-round facility in Saugerties, New York, that includes instruction ranging from summer camp all the way to a show team winning an Ocala. She's had that business for a long, long time. Lots of students. So we're going to go ahead and get her on the phone. Yeah, I'm going to do that right now. It's going to be a little clunkier than normal. <laughs> and we'll get we'll get to hear the behind the scenes when she picks up because she may not know she's live when she comes on. So. Um, <laughs> She's up calling her right now. Surprise Hello. everybody. There she today. is. Sharon, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Long time no see. I know, I'm well, thank you. How about yourself? <laughs> good, good. Staying busy. Are you in uh you're in Ocala now? Yes, we are. I might like to interject here. Everyone is freaking in Ocala. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think the That's population right. of Ocala has quadrupled this month. Really? Well, they had all those big classes over there at the show. Well, and then they had endurance competitions, and they got the big uh, driving competitions. Everybody's in Ocala. You can all leave now. We need our restaurants back. Oh, Uh, yeah. Welcome (laughs) to the story of my life. I mean, if I had by accident going to, like, Costco or something, you know, (laughs) not a Monday or middle of the work weekday. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Long lines. (laughs) Now, Sharon, how long are you staying down there? Do you head back uh, north anytime soon or at the end of circuit? Or what's your plan? We're going to head back at the end of the circuit. And we've been down here since um, the very end of November. So we've been here a while. Yeah. Wow. And now you leave your, I was trying to get a lay of the land here on your your business. I know you've got tons of different level students that you teach and summer camp and everything, which is what I thought a training segment for our riders would be a great a great thing for you. But you does your business stay open during the winter up north? Yes, we we stay open year round. We have uh, probably about thirty horses back in New York that um, you know provide lessons, and we do some horse shows still through the winter. So we stay very active both in New York and down here. Wow. And how many did you bring down to Ocala to compete? Uh, we have about a we have about a dozen down here. Wow, it's a lot of horses. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a lot. You need to have the right staff for that job for sure. You got trainers, Absolutely. obviously, up in New York and then down in Ocala. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we have a, a great staff, and that is key, obviously. 
Now, bef- yeah. before we let um, Emily j- dive into our topic of making the most of being a good student, I'm going to hijack it for just a second. At what point during the year do you start planning your winter circuit in Florida? Does that start the day you get home in Saugerties? How how far in advance do you start saying, "Oh, this is going to who this is who's going to go and this is what what shows they're going to attend?" I usually I try to do a schedule for the year usually by January of that year and we already like I've made arrangements for housing and stabling for next year already while I've, I'm down here now. But usually by like June or July, I, I try to get definites from any students that are going to be coming down and any horses that are coming down, any sale horses or training horses. So we usually try to, to get everything confirmed by, you know, July. Whew. Are you Making able my head to spin. do that? I have I'm such sorry. a hard time. Are, are you actually able to do that? I mean, obviously, if that's the plan, I, I can't get people to commit to like scheduling like a week out. <laughs> In fact, this radio show guest, well, Sharon, you know, you, I was like, I mean, my whole thing fell apart like two hours before I was making my show notes. That's how I'm living. <laughs> well, I usually, for the most part, like I will get, you know, at least at least three quarters of the commitments by July. And then sometimes, you know, in this business, obviously horses, you get different horses um, constantly. So sometimes we'll have like a few new horses or prospects that we'll bring down or new students. So, so it definitely is not in stone. It does change slightly, but for the most part, um, you know, I, I have a good idea by July of who's coming and, and uh, what we need. That's great. Well, that's really great. Well, it's working. I see you guys, your banners all over up at Hits and, and then obviously down in Ocala. And, uh, I mean, it's quite, it's quite a big property you all have over there too. It's, it's great. I've been over there some, I saw your little kitties doing their summer camp, <laughs> starting them young over there. Yeah. How, how, what's your yeah. age uh, to start riding at your place? Uh, we usually start the kids at five, but I have had like some three-year-olds that have been riding and doing pony rides. So we try to encourage, honestly, any age, but they just, the kids have to be able to focus enough to keep them safe. So if if it's a younger child, a three-year-old, we do just um, have one of the, the older kids help and maybe walk and assist with the lesson or the pony ride. But, it, you know, we try to keep it open to any of the levels or age that we feel are, you know, safe to put them on a horse. Wow. So, yeah, so that's, and I guess, you know, getting to our topic, which is really trying to make the most out of your training experience, whatever your age is, the, obviously, you know, the requirements are going to be different. So kind of starting from the beginning there, you're, you're seeing these kids come in and maybe that three to five year age, they're doing just basic lessons or what are, what are you teaching them? What at, what, at that age? Well, they're, they're so young that their cognitive ability, I find, the attention span is very short. So I, I recommend doing simply pony rides at that age and they'll come in, they'll do a little brushing. They'll learn some of the, the main safety, um, safety, you know, things with the horse. And then we'll put them on and give them a a nice little pony ride outside or in our indoor arena. Um, you know, and each, like some of the kids can take on more time, Everything with with teaching them, I think you have to base it on what the child 
you know, kind of can handle. And some of the kids at three or four can do a half hour lesson. And if that's, if they're able to do that, then we go ahead and offer that. But for the most part, we usually do like about 15 minutes. And, and I find too, it, it keeps their attention where you don't lose them. They don't become distracted by other things. So, you know, it, it really inspires the kids to come back and continue learning. So that, so you have sort of, I mean, okay, we've got our young kids that are coming to camp, but then we've got adults too that are coming for their first sort of lessons and learning. Is it a, your sort of introductory season, however long, long it takes you to get, get, you know, smooth with things and get into a groove? Is it sort of the same? You're doing more basic exercises, just very gently introducing, or are they longer sessions for the adults, the beginner adults? So what we offer is if the child is over five years old through being an adult beginner, what we do is we offer an evaluation lesson and the lesson is it's basically 30 minutes of riding time, but the rider comes to the barn. We go over kind of like the environment, the tacking, every barn is different. So we like to just kind of show each student like basically how, what our style is and how we like things done and the horse is brushed and that way there's really no confusion later on. And then that student will ride and take the lesson for the 30 minutes. And I, I always offer just the evaluation because I feel like it gives that rider the, um, the opportunity, you know, to say, okay, I really like this barn and the instructor and the horse. So we'll continue riding or, you know, maybe it's not, maybe our barn isn't for them. And, and if it's not, then it's just that one lesson. And they're really just not obligated to like sign up for more than that lesson. What is, how do you, as a student, you're coming in, you're either new or maybe you're moving over and you have experience. Yeah. I know there's a lot of different training styles out there. Some people are pushing and yelling and, and it's a very, <laughs> uh, you know, intense, uh, lesson and session. Some people are more gradual, but how, I mean, you've done such volume. How would, what would you say uh, is sort of the deciding factor, whether it be a new student, like you're saying, it's not a match. This is not the place for you program or trainer, um, or even a, a, a student that has experience that's coming in new to your training program. We want, we want to hear about the red flags. What's going to tell that student it's not for them. <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what happens that's bad. <laughs> Okay, well, I think I think the, the biggest thing to look for when you go to a barn is, you know, is the instructor, are they listening to you? And obviously being an equestrian and I think any equestrian listening, like everyone has different goals. Some people want to go and have a lesson just for pleasure riding. Maybe someone rode, maybe an adult rode as a child and wants to come back and they think they want to be competitive, but they're not sure. And what I do is when any student comes in and I put them on the horse and I walk with them for 10 minutes and we discuss their goals and why they called, why they're here and what they're looking for. And most of the time I find even some of the kids, they, they love the horse, but they really don't know what they want. So it's kind of like um, I take each student and that day we have a little discussion and then we we make a plan of riding and what to do in that lesson based off of where they feel they are. And I think when, when you're going and looking for a, a barn or a trainer and you go in and that trainer just starts teaching you 
and you really have no say, you know, that's, that's a little difficult or just when you're communicating with that instructor and they are not really listening to you like that. For me, that's something where if I, like I continue to train and ride with, with professionals. And if I wanted to work on something and they don't hear me and they're kind of giving me different instruction and it's, it's not helping me with my goal, then, you know, that trainer is, I'm sure a wonderful trainer, but maybe it's not the right trainer for me. So I think it just really has to, work with with what you want out of writing well and that's really good as you're saying that I'm thinking of different situations and I've seen it uh out there in the schooling ring where the trainer is pushing to move up Mm -hmm. to take a next step and the the student is not feeling it they're not confident there it's a stretch it's a real stretch there's a lot of schooling a lot of you know yelling going on in the schooling area what is your take on that with the experience Did, are those riders are they moving is is that effective are they moving up or is that a situation like you're saying that that's maybe not a clear communication back and forth between student and trainer I, I think it's really important to know your student and any of my students I really have a really close relationship with them. And I start at a very, um, you know, I guess a lower level with them and really get to know the student, what their goals are. And then just as any person learns differently, being an instructor, you have to know how your student takes on information. And when they're nervous, like I have students that just completely block out any information and they freeze. And I've had horses do that as well. And it's, it's really important to know your student. And I think some students need a little bit of a push and that works for them. Some students, the more you push, the more they shut down. So, so I think that, that it's, it's a, a relationship that that instructor and student have to have. And I, that's why, again, like I don't teach any student the same. Like they're all, some of them I will push a little bit more and that, that really helps them. And then others, I have to pull back and they push themselves. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of any instructor yelling, at, especially at a horse show. I feel like a horse show is your end product. It's, oh my it's gosh, not I know. where the training should really happen. And, and I'm just not big on, on um, you know, belittling or, you know, I think we just, we have to build the student up and confidently help them. And understanding what's happening is key. Like, I mean, anyone, if they understand the situation and what's happening, they're going to perform better. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And that's, that's very, I mean, it's refreshing to hear you give that, that viewpoint that you don't train any student the same. I think that's, you know, speaks to the volume of, of students that you've had and you understand that. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of trainers that it's like their style, you know, so you just have to, mm-hmm. I guess, find where you you fit in. Here, there's a fair last question before we run out of time here. I'd love to hear any tips, any thoughts, experiences that you've gathered over this time with so many students. How can somebody, whether they be a, a child, an adult, new to riding period or just new to the barn, how can they be a prepared student? How do they make the most of the lesson, the positive reinforcement, the correction, you know, what, what are the best sort of attitudes and, and tips that you can give that help pe- have helped people excel the fastest? 
Well, I think it has to be at the, the student's pace, honestly. I think when, when you, if you find a barn, you need to look for a barn that, you know, maybe you don't know 100% what you want in the end, but you need to look for a barn that offers, I think, a little bit of everything. Like, if you were to, you know, maybe want to jump, but you were a little bit worried about jumping, you know, find a barn that does that does pleasure riding, that, that does the jumping, that does the competing. I mean, obviously, if you found a barn that does a little bit of everything, you can fall into wherever you're comfortable. But it's, it's really important to let the student go at their own level. And, I mean, I, can, I have many students that come to me and were pushed, and they're honestly just nervous about riding. And I just really take my time with them. And I have one that this winner that came down here, one student who was afraid to jump a cross rail and now she's jumping three, six and it's in a matter of two wow. months. And it's really, it, she's very like the ability was there, but her, you know, she would, she was nervous and she didn't understand really how to get the horse to do what yeah. she needed the horse to do. And it's really just taking a back seat and, you know, and, and riding, like I, I say to the kids, like jump in the ocean and try to control the current. There's no way you can, but you can learn to swim in the current. And that's really what riding is about. And I think you have to teach kids how to swim with the current or against the current, not always fight it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's, I think even for your relationship with your trainer as well, just the whole atmosphere has to be, if it, if it's starting to feel like a fight, you know, it's probably something's not working and Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not a great match match with the horse even, you know, maybe Correct. something is maybe not working. It sounds like what you're saying. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. There are three important things, the rider, the horse and the trainer. They all got to work together. I I really like that. Uh, learn to sl learn to swim in the current. Don't just you can't fight it. You can't make it go away. Mm -hmm. And I really like that's a good takeaway right there. I'm going to put that on a mm -hmm. on a t shirt or something. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> Reminding. <laughs> Remind me. Well, thank you very much, Sharon, for stopping by. And when if people want to learn a little bit more about what you do and where you do it, uh, where can they find you online? Um, you can go to our website, which is verticallimitstable.com. Cool. And uh, you'll be heading back up to uh, Saugerties in a little while, and you'll be going full tilt there again until fall. So thanks a whole bunch for stopping cool. by with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. See you soon. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. May I hazard to say that the... Earlier, before we started the chat with Sharon, you talked about meeting the horse where he is to get yeah. to get him to his full potential. I think that might apply to students as well. What do you think? That's, yeah, I know. I was like, how oh, we're running out of time to open up this whole other parallel here. But, <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, essentially, and it's like a little bit life in general, you know, like these are, you know, life lessons. But yes, you know, you can't and you see it. I mean, I don't I don't do a lot of teaching. I, I have the one uh, little boy that I'm teaching right now, Ride Supra. I put him on a bunch of my sales horses and it's fun. And then like we were saying, it makes you sharp when you train. Mm -hmm. But uh at this training that I'm watching out there, I see it all the time. I'm just like, you know, these kids. I mean, I had a kid show up to a trial the other day, and they wanted to try the horse in the show ring. Normally, I don't let people do that, but I was, they were on a time crunch. I said, yes, this poor little girl was terrified. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, like, I don't really want to 
put her on the horse, you know? Oh. I mean, she doesn't have any color in her face. You know? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and we're, we're down here and it's 100 degrees out, you know? I'm starting to get nervous for her. Oh, um, but, you know, they don't, I don't know. There's some training styles out there. They push, push, push. And then, hey, maybe sometimes it's the horse. But, yeah, no, that was, that was great. I, I knew she was going to be good for that because she does so much volume. She teaches so many and they're happy kids, happy adults, you know, in a big, big group. And it, mm-hmm. it, what she's doing is working. And, and essentially that's it. It's the same. Yeah, I, I liked her, her approach in that from the get-go, try to help the student figure out where they want to go with their riding. And that does change midstream sometimes. It's not that you don't come to a fork in the road, so to speak. Um, but right. at least get a clue. Well, maybe I think I think I might want to be competitive and do. Maybe I want to. I want to do hunters. I really want to do hunters. Well, let's see if we can't point you in that direction. And you know, six months a year, yeah. or eighteen months go by, and things are sort of at a stalemate, or you don't feel like your lessons are progressing, or something like that. Well, maybe it's time to reevaluate between rider and instructor. Okay, where where are you now? Do you still want to be going in that direction? And if we still want to be going in that direction, why are we stalemated here? Why you see if we can't figure out where the problems are? Is it because uh, as an instructor, I'm putting way too many fences in front of you and we need to take a few out. <laughs> yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. Make them smaller. Cause they push. And I think that's the hard thing with the trainers. I mean, you can't, they just get into a cycle because they want the, they want the success and the progression. But if it's not a constant conversation, you know, open lines mm-hmm. of communication, it's like Sharon saying you're on different pages. And then a lot of times, unfortunately, you just see the pushing and pushing and pushing mm-hmm. yeah. on the, well, the trainer because yeah. they're trying and, to And let's face it in the, it in the, in the training business, if you're teaching students, um, blue ribbons and championships and medals is what gets you more students. If you're in the, in the showing exactly. world in any discipline, so yeah. I can see how an instructor is going to push in that direction. But I think as students, we need to be cognizant of whether or not that's best for us. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong. There, there is a need and an essential need for instructors who push and instructors who, who produce uh, amazing competitors. Otherwise, we don't have, end up no. with Olympic teams. That's an important For sure, aspect. But, then but is that where you need Sharon's to be? Sharon's student yeah. doing the cross trail and she re- removed the pressure and then all this and, and helped her with some theory all of a sudden she was climbing up the rank. So yeah, it is a little bit, yeah, it's case by case, but yeah, Absolutely. I mean, there, there, there's a place for all of those. I mean, George is tough to ride for, but George produces riders. Right. And, you he, know, it's and, like, and he produces riders by not letting them use corkscrew bits. Oh my God. I'm just like, I can't see. I mean, I it apparently destroys radio shot. hosts. So, I, mean, he's like, <laughs> I know. I was like, oh man. I mean, I hadn't even, the horse wouldn't even walk in. I was standing and he saw How did he know you had a corkscrew in there? What? Oh, he says, young lady, first you know you're in trouble. What do you have in that horse's mouth? He saw it right away. and I, I He has like radar x-ray vision or something? I know. I was like, ah. And you worked with him when you were young. We got to call the next guest, by the way. And we have one more guest coming up and then a bunch of listener questions that Emily's going to get to, too. So a lot more to go if I can get these two uh, focused. (laughs) So tell us (laughs) tell us about who's coming up next here, uh, Emily. Okay, so our next guest, we have Miss BJ is a trainer owner of Fox Edge Farm out of Goshen, New York, but pretty much just stays on the show circuit as far as I can tell. She has a huge herd of winning horses and riders at all different levels. We're going to get her on the phone. All right, we're giving her a call now. I went to Goshen, New York once. It's beautiful. Yeah, we went there. I was a, a little kid. I think I was maybe 10 or 11 years old to see our very first ever 
uh, three phase event or horse trials. Hi. Yep. Hey, BJ, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Enjoying your Tuesday? Getting ready to do some schooling? Um, we are. We're going to head over to the horse show with four of them and get them ready for the week. Yay. BJ's down here in <laughs> Wellington with all of us. She has a big operation, I, uh, as I introduced. I thought it would be really fun since BJ had known her for a while, watched all of her different level riders and horses winning ribbons here and there. I thought it would be really fun to talk about some different exercises that you have learned over the years with your different level riders, some real good gems for the beginners, the intermediates and so on. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, you know, one of my, my favorite, and it just goes back to basics is just, you know, poles on the ground. So if you come to any of my rings, you'll find at home or down here, there's always, you know, two poles in a line that you can do in a four or a five. There's one at the end of the ring. And I like my kids when they're even just flatting to practice trotting and cantering these poles and not worrying about so much a distance. Because um, I think kids actually, you know, one of their biggest fears is missing in the ring or, you know, making a big mistake and what's going to happen at any level, whether it's you know, from a foot high up to, you know, the big jumps. And so I try to get them comfortable cantering to a pole and not staring down at it, not trying to create the distance, feeling when your horse is about to take off, getting the rhythm. Um, so you'll find a lot of poles around my ring. And you know, those as are I good. Said, you can do, do you do like horses or, you know, like, like bending lines well, yes. and whole, whole deal, yep. left turn, right turn. Do you do like Absolutely. bounces and all that stuff? Yep. Yep. We do tons of that. Okay. Now you'll see also in all of my rings, we always have an end jump. Um, and I usually keep it low, but I find that um, kids and adults mostly worry about that end jump, whether it's in the jumpers or an equitation ring of just finding that distance out of a turn. So I try to get them comfortable knowing there's no perfect distance. I mean, George will tell you that it's working yeah. out the best distance that you can. So you know, knowing there's only so much footage off the end of the end of the ring there that sometimes just shaving the turn a little bit change your pace a little bit, shape your horse a little bit more. So I try to tell them, don't change two things, change one until you can figure out how to, how to ride up to that. Oh, that's so good. We do a lot yeah, of Cause it gets complicated. Yep. Absolutely. And obviously we do gymnastics. I mean, down here we have um, a six bounce because we have a couple horses that need to be a little sharper in the jumpers. Um, so I'm finding that, you know, setting those bounces and rather than jumping them too much, just once a week, letting them go through the bounce a bunch of times and just rock back a little bit more so the kids don't learn to get too far ahead. Because sometimes it's just the kids in the combination that have the poles, not these horses. Right. Um, Did you say so, six yeah. in a row? Six yeah, bounces. we'll put six in a row. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But we keep them low. We'll only keep them about right. two foot high. And the last one, maybe, you know, maybe two, six to three foot, but just getting that horse to be comfortable bouncing. It's not huge. Um, but so it gets like the, the kids bounces, like. That's going to be, I mean, okay, so for you could obviously do like two in a row or three in a row if you're just building up to it. But you think that that's, is that for more like an intermediate uh, horse? That is, or, absolutely. Yeah. So like my green horse, I'll only have two or three. So the green horse will have a trot pole at maybe nine foot coming in and I'll make it maybe 10 foot bounce or 11 foot bounce for the greener horses. I just want to get a little better up front. For the kids that need to practice not getting ahead of their horse, and that do either the jumpers or the equitation, you can have five in a row and I'll make them, they'll only be about, you know, 10, 11 feet apart. 
Um, and they just canter in and learn to just hold their body and let that horse just bounce through it and take its time. And then the kids get better with their body. You can do it without stirrups um, for the more educated kids. Um, even my adults love it. Once they've seen their horse go through it, um, they realize it's not too hard once you're in there. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it is like it, a rocking horse. a really horse. good exercise. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. that is a good, it's, and that's got to be good for the rider, as you're saying, sort of core balance, getting over that center of gravity and not, cause you almost don't move. Right. Don't you think when you you're doing move. six, you don't move. Absolutely. You, and you know, I you try think to tell the that you're going to, but you, you, they want to get up the neck a little bit to help yeah. and that's the worst thing they can do. And then there's the no time really gets too tight. <laughs> right. And so now they realize, wow, you just, you know, you want to keep your shoulder and your hip lined up and you want to keep the horse up in front of you. So it teaches them what to do at a deep distance when they come out of a turn or anything else. It's going to be too deep not to throw their body. So the I jump. love doing that one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the bounces to the so, end jump. Exactly. The, exactly. That, but those are good. You know, but all, that, I mean, that's, that's it though, right? It's about show, It's about having the balance. You've got to have the core strength and all of that. But these, even your poles, going back to the original thing, you know, that can be for a, uh, a basic, well, uh, you know, introductory level rider, even a, a school horse right. staying in the school program. And uh, it's yep. kind of the same uh, answer, question answer, rather. And I, and I still do it with, you know, with any of my Grand Prix horses. Just cantering yep. poles around a course and pretending it's a big track of keeping your horse in front of you, not staring down for a distance. Even teaching all the horses, the horses and the jumpers and the hunters to land the lead off the pole. Just putting mm-hmm. your outside leg back, keeping the shape. I mean, there's so many things you can do without wasting the legs of a horse to practice jumping. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's hard, right? I mean, cantering to poles is plenty challenging. If you don't stay sharp, but if you don't really, you know, manage your canter, I mean, exactly. And about keeping the horses the rhythm, don't and back I, up. Yeah. No. And I try to, the main thing about the poles is kids always want to, just like they do to a jump or an adult, want to pull or push to make the distance. That's the worst thing you can do from riding, you know, trying to create the distance, <laughs> you know, try to keep your eye level up, let the, the jump's coming to you. You're not going to it. So whether it's a pole or a four foot, you know, vertical, I try to tell these kids, it's coming to you. Be patient, keep the rhythm the same. The horse also knows it's going to be there. So they start to figure out where their feet are better too. So my kids do it all day long when they're out there flatting their cantering poles. Well, and that's and, really encouraging I mean, that's, because those are basic, the pole work, I mean, that's really the first thing you start with, but what's cool about you using it and, and being an advocate of it is you have horses at all different kinds of horses, hunters, jumpers, equitation, uh, beginners, absolutely. all the way up to advanced, your personal horses. I mean, they, these are the basics. You've got to, these are the basics. Yep. And it, and even the Grand Prix horses, they can just make them sharp to know where their feet are. Cantering a circle, I'll put a, a circle of four poles. And whether you stay to the inside track and do four strides or the outside track and do five strides, it gets the horses a little sharp, but you're going to change it up a little bit. Even just cantering and even rhythm on a circle of four poles, you can get that horse to know where his feet are and know that you're turning and he's got to think. And it doesn't need yeah. to be a big jump. And it's you know? hard. I it can't, t- I mean, I mean I'm sure you've been through <laughs> so many pep talks with your riders. You're like, it's okay. I know you think it's really not that complicated with the four poles, exactly. but it's really hard. It's like <laughs> dominoes. You mess up the first four and you're like, it's okay. You can get it. this. So it sounds like what we've exactly. got going here is you need to learn to do the little things well so that the big things yeah. become easier. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the same Absolutely. question answer, I guess. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone just wants to get to jump big jumps. I mean, even my, my kids down here, my students are like, they want to move up and they want to this. 
I'm like, you know, it's not who jumps the biggest. It's really who, who rides the best at any level that they do, that they want to feel confident. They want their horse to be confident. They want to be able to, I, I don't move a horse up ever until I feel like horse or I are completely comfortable at that level. And I, I just feel like it's gotten easy. And I, yeah. I wish the kids would understand that more. It's not who jumps the highest. And um, it's, it's even, you know, just the body position. I mean, you look at McLean Ward ride around a big Grand Prix and his equitation is just stunning. And I think these kids have to realize it's work all the time. Every day I work without stirrups, every day, even on my young horses. And, you know, if I walk out to the ring and I don't see my students doing at least 15 minutes without stirrups, I, I don't think they want it that bad, you know? You have to stay strong and your core, your balance helps those horses jump better. Yeah. And that's a little bit sort of the theme, like we've been talking about with the horses, the training, the riders, the trainer, the horse showing, you know, all of this is, it shouldn't be, you know, such a big fight. Uh, if you're doing it correctly, you should be fighting to work hard and stay dedicated like this, get your core strength, have the aptitude for the balance and everything. But when it's done correctly, it really is. I mean, I know McLean's working very hard out there, but his balance is so impeccable that he's not being, yeah, he's not being thrown around. You know, he's not playing catch up anywhere. He's like proactive. He's like ahead of the game, six steps, you know, he's not jumping up the neck because he knows it's too hard on the backside. And he knows, I mean, he knows that he doesn't get in their way because he's just so careful about mm-hmm. letting the horse do his job well. And, you know, he's an athlete. He goes to the gym. He videos every round. He studies his rounds. I mean, he's a true athlete. And, and I wish more kids would stand at the ring and watch some of these amazing riders down here at West. I sit at that Grand Prix ring, and I'm still amazed how many incredible good riders and, and how they work and their flat work before. Yeah. And, and how important all that is. It's not just jumping around. They're not doing this easily. No. <laughs> and, and you can get all that, those videos on Facebook too. I mean, cause I've been like, yes. to be honest, so busy. I've, I'm ashamed to say I haven't gone to a single Grand Prix down here because I'm got horses to uh, too many places. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it's getting dark. I'm like, I can't, I'm still doing stalls. No, but, um, but I watch it on Facebook, watch you know, I'm like, yeah, yep. I'm, yep. I'm watching all of it. Kevin Babington on that round and Mark Q. Oh, he's doing That's so well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we shared that on our Lucy. Equestrian page. Everyone was uh, yep. sharing it around. He's a and he's young, a master. Absolutely, and like young Lucy, you know, Dolores the other day, yeah. beating all those. I mean, it's just the girls working at it, you know. And everyone, yep. everyone can say what they want about any of these people out there that yes can afford the top horses, and yet these kids and these adults are still working very, very hard. It doesn't mm-hmm. come that easy. And even I started working out with a personal trainer this year down here as I get older. I realized I'm not as strong as I used to be, and I used to ride 10 or 12 a day. Now maybe I only ride five because more of the students can handle their own animals. And so I'm like, wow, I better stay in shape. It's very yeah. important for us to know Ooh. we're athletes. Now that now yeah, them fighting I, words going to the gym with. <laughs> I know. That's a tough one. So as as riders going to the gym, hello excellent idea regardless of what level you you ride at and because unless you're one of those people like emily who also cleans 15 or 20 stalls a day which kind of works on the core a lot um, then you don't usually need the gym but as from the horse's point of view are there things that we can do with those horses that are the equivalent of going to the gym oh absolutely i mean just you know around here okay we don't have any hills i would say hill work for your horses is probably the best thing you can do oh, if you live in, in a terrain that is hills that's the best thing you can do for your horses for their balance for their strength for their muscle it's like you doing crossfit but 
for us being down here in Florida, there's beautiful trails. Let your horse gallop on those trails a little bit. Not obviously in the deep sand, but on that. You know, Write that, that down. Trail. I have permission let's, to gallop on the trails. Yes. You have. Yes. Ah. Gallop your, let that horse who never gets to do that. I mean, our horses are so good about going in the paddock and not playing too hard because we'll limit that if they play too hard. We can't let them get hurt. But you I mean, mine all get great turnout. We do trail day. We do, you know, long and low day where the kids just flat their horses and let them stretch their back and put their nose on the ground. And, you know, I get the kids to understand that letting your horse stretch all the time at the beginning of your workout and at the end of their workout is like you going to the gym and getting on the treadmill for 10 minutes and warming up to get your muscles before you would lift any weights. And then, you know, cooling down at the end. These horses are athletes. They need that too. So letting your horse, if you're always working him in a frame, he needs to be able to stretch and drop his nose and stretch his back. And obviously, you know, we all try to keep these athletes in the best of form, chiropractic work, acupuncture, but the kids can do it themselves with carrots, carrot stretches, <gasps> oh, learn, you know, watch yeah. some videos on how to stretch their neck. All of my students, when they get on, they'll have mints in their pocket. Their horses turn their neck all the way left, all the way right, you know, and they do it at the end too. They need to stretch just as much as any other athlete. Yeah, you're right about oh, that. Goodness. And I think there's not, you know, we were talking with uh, Sharon Bach earlier about her uh, program with all of her kids and everything. And I love that they are, they do their own work, you know, like she was talking about yep. teaching them how to brush and all this. And that is such a, a crucial part of being able to be a top oh. athlete. You need to know your horse. You need Absolutely. to be able to do that, you know, carrot stretches. I mean, like, come on, like anybody Absolutely. can do that. All of all of my students tack and, and untack their own horses when we're home. The only time they'll get some extra care is down here because some of the kids yeah. fly in late on Friday or Thursday. Of so, course. yes. But all of my kids can tack their own horses. All of my kids understand picking up the feet and looking at the hoof and checking the legs before you put their boots on to see if they're how they were yesterday. Is, is there any heat? Is there any swelling? Running your fingers down the horse's back. Is your horse's back getting sore? You know, just knowing your animal is huge because, you know, they do get sore and we need to know where they are so yep. that we can take care of them. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. These kids handling their own horses could, couldn't be better. But as for, you know, for exercise down here, we're a little limited to space. So that's why I said, you know, galloping on the trail a little bit, letting them stretch or, or doing, you know, just some groundwork with them and letting their bodies stretch. Obviously, as I said, the pole work, the little gymnastics, I mean, you have to keep them very, very fit. This is, this is a, a real, true athletic sport for the horse and the rider. And yeah, like cross training. I have, I have one more quick Absolutely. question for our guest before we let her go because J Emily and I gab too much. Um, for yes. folks who are trapped in the frozen north uh, in the off season yes. for them, do you have any suggestions on things that people who have either limited space because they have to ride on a small cleared area in their arena or they're stuck in an right. indoor arena, things that they can help their horse do CrossFit wise, uh, through those winter months when you really don't have a bunch of space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have, you know, 40 horses at home right wow. now, you know, trying to stay fit with, oh a, with another trainer who, uh, Lisa O'Neill is doing all my teaching at home for me. And yes, it's very hard because it's cold and the horses are a little fresh and you don't want to have to lunge them all. And, you know, they don't go out and they don't play in the field because they just stand around cold. So she's doing tons and tons and tons of small courses with my kids very intricate, twisty, turny, only a foot high. Oh, great idea. To jump and roll back and turns. And then you'll trot a little gymnastic and then you'll turn left and you'll trot 
raise Cavalettis and then you'll canter down the long side and lengthening and shortening and keeping your horse interested because they get just as bored in that box all winter as, you know, we do. So that indoor arena can get extremely tiresome to them. And that's why I think a lot explode and play because they're bored, you know? So she has set up very difficult courses in my indoor of only a foot high. And the kids, when they fly home um, and they take their lessons at home before they come back, they're doing very hard, low courses of just keeping the horse entertained. Now, does she get extra pay for being hazard pay for being home in the winter while you're in Florida? Just curious. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> I give her a lot of credit. She went to Old Salem the other day, and I think it was like 14 degrees. Oh and my like, gosh. What am I doing? Oh my oh gosh. My God. Yes. Oh my gosh. Bless her heart. Indoor, it is. <laughs> it's the indoor, thank goodness they have heaters in there, but still, it's, you still have to get that horse on the trailer, you know, get the wraps on in the freezing cold, drive there in the cold. Yes, she's. Bless her heart, because she's <laughs> she's she's tormenting the winter for sure. Oh yeah. my, you know what? You have to though, because you. I mean, I did it when I was a kid up there, old Salem. Same deal. I had boot warmers and stuff, freezing. But you know, you got. Yeah. Thank God they have it. You know, because not everyone can no. go down to Wellington or wherever or no. whatever circuit. You know, out of the cold. But uh, as as brutal as it is, it's doable. It's workable. It is doable. And I've got and tons you know of great experience there. Absolutely. And some of my kids are moving up, starting the big act and they're getting to go to the show and there's less in a class and they're mm-hmm. feeling good about learning how to test. And I got a green pony qualified because they're obviously they're less at home. So there's many advantages. Oh, yeah. You can't come to Florida. So, you know, you just have to be able to dress warm and tolerate a little bit. There you go. Well, thank you very much, BJ. Oh, for, you're so welcome for coming on. This was fascinating. I'm going to go out. I'm going to run right out to my arena and put up 32 one foot high jumps. <laughs> That's a, sounds it. such a brilliant idea. Why did Nigel I think of that 30 wait. years ago? Um, Nigel's very excited. For folks who are curious about what you do, how you do it, where can they find you online? Um, so, I mean, obviously, Facebook, um, BJ Earhart. You can always follow because I also have a zebra. So some people like to oh, yes. follow my little zebra. <gasps> and, um, and then my farm is Fox Hedge Farm um, LLC. And I do have a website. And um, so they can always go to that. So it's foxhedgefarm.com. Yeah. There we go. Well, thank you very much, BJ. All right. Nice talking to you. Have a great day. See you soon. Thanks, BJ. And now my head's just filled with ideas. (laughs) Maybe the trending episode is too much. (laughs) I'm overstimulated. (laughs) (laughs) We can't decide. Are we doing small one jump courses? I mean, you're going to need to hire a jump crew out there you're going to be switching it up every day i am but i'm gonna i'm going to do the nigel nigel version though because nigel gets a little overwhelmed by too many things right. in a row i'm going to put uh, lots of obstacles that are small but i'm not going to get I'm, I'm only going to do one i think i'm going to do one bounce because that's the thing that seems to get him yeah. the most confused we'll have one little bounce in there and everything else yeah. is just going to be a single fence, but I'm going to be able to do lots of, of turns and rollbacks and yep. maybe even some spirals in between where I can go from a 40 meter circle down to a 15 meter circle and have that, that 12 you know foot fence. Really on good? It. Yeah. The, the engine, all that stuff that she's talking about with the poles. I mean, that stuff is crucial um, for your horse in particular, anybody else that has something is a bit nervous. Um, if you've established that, like you're saying that, you know, they start this sort of claustrophobia, basically when you get inside a grid yeah. or, or there's two in a row, but either if you want to keep it at the bounces, you should just go back and you can walk through them and then trot through them. Cause you can get two trot steps in there. Mm-hmm. Um, three, uh, depending on the horse, uh, or if that still ends up being a little bit 
you know, tough, excuse me, you can roll it out and go to like a one stride or like a two yeah. stride, cool. you know, and, so and then sneak it back in. I was a little, I was a little bit confused at the beginning when we were chatting about the end fence. Can you clarify what you guys mean by end fence? Because those of us in the, in the eventing business way back a bajillion years ago, before we learned how to count strides, uh, might've been a little bit confused. Okay, the end fence is, if you're looking at the arena, you know, it's got a long side and a short side. So your end fence will go on the short side of the arena about midway. Not always, but usually it's midway. It's perfectly in the middle there. So uh, it's going to be perpendicular to the short side. Yes. So you're going to go be going across the short side of the arena near the end when you do an yeah. end fence. Okay, got Where it. People like to collapse and lean forward and not do any work, you know, with their got flat it. work or balance. The balance gets forward. So we're all, everybody gets a little sort of like, okay, take a breath in the corner. But that end jump is like, whoop, fix the balance. You got to fix the balance <laughs> up, which in reality you should be doing. We should all be using the corner to fix the balance. And then the distance will present itself because you have a proper balance and rhythm. You just pick the least dramatic distance you can find. But what happens is people lean forward. We all get complacent in the corner and take a breather before the next jump. And we've got to find a distance, but you don't have <laughs> the balance or the rhythm. Like Gosh, there's screwed. so much like, thinking involved coming. with this jumping stuff. No wonder it's hard. <laughs> I know, but it, honestly, it really just breaks down to balance. You know, there's all different kind of exercises that people can do uh, to improve these things, but it's balance, rhythm, and obviously your direction, your line and track. But you can't have some without the others. You're not going to get good uh, rhythm without balance, so vice versa. The line and track, you're not going to be able to find a good proper line and track without a good rhythm, which you're not going to get without good balance. So there, it's kind of you just, uh, you've got to get those three things and all of the exercises, honestly. Okay, you've got stretching and collecting, which is going to be your rhythm. But for the most part, you're, everything that you're working on is trying to encourage your horse to keep that balance back more on the hind end so they can have the easy lift off over whatever the pole or puissance wall or whatever it is you're doing and they can land with a proper balance. So your work is really in the corners and then the jump is a symptom of your nice corner balance, which is very elusive. Yeah. And and I think whether you're doing (laughs) dressage or jumping in the Grand Prix, the corner is the nemesis of and even in a oh. hunter ring, the corner, because theirs isn't quite corner, but it's still the same exercise. Corners mm-hmm. are the nem- nemesis of riders, aren't they? It is. The flat spaces, you know, same if you're on a hunter pace or you're, you know, on a real flat space. I mean, it's the same thing. They can't be back to that original equation of like 60% of yeah. the weight on the forehand. You don't have a good jump. It's not Ooh, maybe safe. Maybe we should line that up for next time. We can talk about corners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Morning. So, guys, I hate to interrupt this party, but we got listener questions to get to. <sighs> okay. Did you need well, we to take? Do you, do you need a coffee break here with a song, or do you want to just dive right in? Hey, I'm I'm up for whatever. Okay. Um, you why don't we talk a little bit about the sponsor, S Equestrian, first? Okay. Well, we have S Equestrian. Our our lovely sponsor is my clothing line, Athletic Apparel, designed by equestrians for equestrians. Man, uh, man, t- uh, tailored in Manhattan, still forever. We won't uh, we won't jump ship, but it's going really well. We've got quite uh, quite a following right now on Instagram. People getting very excited and posting. We had one of our riders in the. Um, FEI Nations Cup down here for the U.S. Allie Wolf, she was wearing Ooh. S-Equestrian. Yeah, it was very cool because, you know, they do like the formal headshots. And I was like, oh, 
there, look at that. That's I know she rocks the gear, but it's like, cool, you know, and it's a professional and she's in the, you know, you set coat and everything um, there, but they come in all different colors. People are loving them. And then the custom thing as always is really taking off. That's really the stock thing. I love you can buy in Dover. You can buy online at sequestrianco.com from us directly, or we have vendors at multiple different horse shows. Most of the Dover stores carry, and then you can get them online. But uh, I just, that's all stock. You get four different liner colors, different snap options that either white or match the liner color. But I love the custom. The custom is so much fun for the IHSA, IEA, BJ, one of our guests that was just on. She has a cool logo. It's a purple fox for her farm, Fox Edge Farm. And all of the liners are in these bright purple foxes within the shirts of these bright purple shirt uh, snaps. I love it. It's so much fun. But those you can order online uh, i think most of the custom is actually done through through our office online but so what, that's what kind of turnaround should... time do you have for the customs it, it kind of it kind of depends how many are going to production but they try to it's not super fast six to eight weeks that's you know not bad for a custom like hello yeah <laughs> it's custom you know, but you then I know it's custom and then you have to, you know, sometimes it goes a little, a little longer. I mean, we stay in communication with everybody relatively mm-hmm. compared to animal or somebody like that. We're small business and um, we run big numbers. Um, but, but the, the, the production numbers are much larger than the minimums that we offer to people. So you can get a reasonable number of shirts. Just, I can't remember what they're doing as minimums right now. I'll have to go back so and look. You have the off the shelf stock, um, technical writing shirts. Yeah, and then you also have custom riding shirts, and then you have the off-the-shelf stock jackets, and then the custom jackets. Yep. Right. So you can you can customize the entire top half of your body, or you can if you're in a hurry, you can put top quality athletic wear in beautiful colors and fit on the top half of your body. It's true. And soon the lower half of your body is not <gasps> quite ready, but Ooh, that's it's, exciting. it's in the works. And then and it'll it be is. custom underwear. To no! And then one outfit. thing too many, Jeez, that's his way of yeah. telling us to start answering questions. <laughs> no, he's really so pick a question, Emily. Well, it's at, give it out the website again, Emily. Okay, check us out online. It's E-C-E-S, so it's pronounced S-Equestrian.com co.com sequestrianco.com or we're also on facebook you can check out all different posts and who's rocking the gear instagram as equestrian apparel all right good hey uh so alex asked uh, her favorite exercises with a limited number of standards available so let's say you only yeah. have four that's a good oh, question that actually because a lot hilarious. of people that's have like that story yeah. of my life Oh, yeah. And even if you have, like during the um, summer, I have all of the course of jumps at my disposal, but I'm like, you know, I got to set them up. (laughs) So there's three. Yeah, exactly. Limited strength available for setting up jumps. It's just that is always the question. How few can we use? Good Lord, they're heavy, you know gotta drag them out but i think i mean it depends what you're doing first of all you obviously need to uh, evaluate what your objective is where your horse is you know if you're schooling grand prix horse or a hunter or just a short stirrup pony trying to or a new new horse teaching it to jump i think always obviously the poles are are paramount you start with those you can do your twisty turny exercises and check your rideability then from there when you start adding in the standards i think having placing rails before a jump for sure your first jump 
just make a cross row. That's two standards. Or hey, if you have those barrels, those trash cans, you can put those either on their side or upright and you can lay poles on them, you know, yep. to fashion a cross row. Because so yep. you don't really need a cross row to go any bigger than that, yep. uh, even with the Grand Prix horse for Element A. But then before Element A, you can put however many poles your horse is comfortable with. So you can do, say, a nine to 10 foot placing rail for a canner. You can snug it in wherever your horse is comfortable to do a trot or, you know, some of the ones that are confident, but they're confident rushers. You can go even farther away from element A and do trot poles, say three trot poles at a normal distance, you know, five feet or so, and then do a canter stride or even uh, uh, four or five strides to a pole and a canter stride, which is that 10 foot placing rail into your element a which should just be that cross rail so if you have trash cans you have still not used any standards so, <laughs> see how many standards you have after that yes exactly if, i mean shoot if you have no standards you can very easily then just walk out another nine feet and then another nine feet for a one stride with the rail there and then you could so that's just sort of two two bounces there but it breaks up the canner mm-hmm. um if you want to use that and turn it into a jump let's say you've got two more standards you can build another vertical with that same footage or walk it out longer like we were talking uh, with nigel you know you don't have to it, it depends who you have um, but some sort of one to three stride combination mm-hmm. type there depending on your rails uh, availability. You can mm-hmm. break it up with some rails. Um, verticals are harder than oxers because they have to rock back and break over. It's more precise. So, Hey, if you've only got two standards period and two trash cans, then you can still get the trot poles to the crossbar, some sort of one to three stride. You can build a vertical, um, oxer. If you have four standards, then you can build that as an oxer. And let's say that's all you have. You've got either two or four. So boom, there's your jumping tech uh, exercise there. And you can build the height at whatever height your horse is comfortable. You can build it, build it on up. And then to make it more technical, you, what I I love to walk out the distance from the B element, uh, to the left, to the right and straight. And you can use three poles if you have that many poles to spare. And you can say, okay, to the left, it's going to be five strides to that pole straight. We're going to do six. And then to the right, it'll be five or however you walk it oh, out. I like that one. Yeah. I, I can put up a little a little one stride tiny and then I can walk that out because I need to work on my eye because I have done so little jumping in the past 20 years. That's a great way for me to work on my eye that's not going to overwhelm my horse. Or if you have a horse that yeah. doesn't have confidence issues, it's not going to be hard on his legs is to do that that small grid something like an in and out and then practice the left and the right because my eye is always better to the left than it is to the right i like that i'm gonna write that one down too and then for like your horse if he's a little bit nervous okay sometimes they look in ah and they see the whole grid and their Mm -hmm. trot poles and they're freaking out you can yeah you can obviously strip the exercise down and and just maybe do one jump trot over the poles and then canter to the one jump or you can put it all down and they can just trot through because at your same placing for your canter bounces, you can trot through. Isn't that so handy? That's, that's like the universal. It's like the pie of jumping. I know. <laughs> trot it. 
No big deal. No it's jump like needed. Thing. There we go. Cool. Well, what's our next question going here? What else we got? All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. So this is, relates back to what Jennifer was talking about earlier. Um, when and how do you start your babies? Do you do a lot of ground driving? Do you introduce them to poles and cavaletti in hand first? How often do you free jump your horses? And I've seen Emily do this with babies, and she pretty much just gets on and jumps three foot fences and then gets off. It's just that's We're simple. ready to go. Yeah, that's no problem. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, to a degree, yeah, I just kind of get on with it, but I don't start super, super early. I mean, it's, again, you got to look at the horse. Like if they are huge or really, really small, or they look like they're still growing or, you know, maybe they need a little extra time or they're just kind of like mentally not with it, you know, so you do have to evaluate. I know there's a lot of people that are out there backing them at two and a half. So that means Glenn is not ready to start jumping yet. He's not ready. Because he's just mentally not (laughs) ready. He's just, I mean, and that's, hey, that's not stopped me from doing most thing, most things in life, though. <laughs> he just plows through <laughs> rails flying. <laughs> I know. I'm the same way. What are you gonna do? I mean, how else are you gonna get there? But you See, know, I think uh, once so, again, yeah, one taken by the individual. Yeah, you yeah. know, but they'll show you when things are easy, like BJ and Sharon are even talking about their horses and their riders when it, when it's ta- taking to them easy. I mean, if you're, tr- you know. For the baby babies, okay, before I even back them, I get comfortable on the ground. I want groundwork done. I want to be able to pick up those four feet. I don't want to get kicked, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to put a saddle pad on the back without getting, you know, the horses running around in circles. Um, The walking is very important. You know, the the babies, they like, they have no, you know, understanding of staying by your side. You can Mm -hmm. use the end of your lead rope. Sometimes I'll swing it gently in front of me, uh, kind of creates a barrier Mm -hmm. so that they don't get out ahead of me. Um, at the same time, if they get behind you, you can discreetly use the end of your lead rope and maybe give them a little pop behind by the tail just to try to send them forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to get that groundwork done when you're, t- when you're turning them in the beginning, they don't come towards you. You turn away always. I use my hand. I'll put my hand up and kind of just move it sort of quickly towards the horse's eye that I want him to move away the other way. Uh, and then you can get that, just that basic understanding. And then from there, for sure, I go and I, I like to walk them around over the poles, you know, teach them to come with me, really to teach them that they need to be by that shoulder. And their shoulder is by your shoulder. You don't want them behind. You don't want them in front because the conversation has got to be sort of a driving mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and then from there, even with my, uh, I, I use really long lead ropes on the babies, like real, real long, as long as they come. So you can let it out a little bit and use the end of your lead rope and kind of Dry, start gently driving the horse in a small circle around you because the lunging is hard. I, unfortunately for me, I don't have a permanent location, so I've had to do my baby breaking and starting at various different places. If I had a round pen, awesome. It's so much easier, but I've had to do it without. So you just start figuring out you know, how you can manufacture a little bit of a, a enclosed area, maybe a corner of a ring mm-hmm. or something like that, getting them going. But then I like to start uh, a little bit on the lunge or you can long line. Um, I don't, I, I see people doing the driving. I know it's effective. I just, to, to be honest, I just don't really want to be back there. You know, <laughs> like I just kind of like, I mean, I, I don't doubt that it's effective and, and, and it's the right idea of the driving, but, but I just, uh, you know, not I'll, your thing. I'll, I'll Remind stay. me to give her yeah. a cart ride when she comes up. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in the cart, maybe, you know, a little farther back is one thing, but, you know, but, the, but that's it. It's the, you've got to push them, you know, they're moving away. 
Um, and then from there, if you can get a little lunging, I like to teach my, my little guys to go over poles after I've done it in hand. I play with them and see if I can lunge them over a few then maybe a little cavaletti something, but it just depends. I don't really jump them free, free jump them properly through a shoot until they're almost four. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they do it younger in a lot of places and in Europe, but yeah, you know, I mean, and they even have those four year old jumper classes. Personally, I just think you, I mean, like it's not really a race. Like there, nobody's like going to the Olympics at five, like just, you know, settle down, you know, we'll get there. And at five, you got a much better brain, you know, more, it's more developed. So you can have a more interesting conversation, even if they haven't had a ton of training, they're just more developed. So I I like to wait a little bit. And then from there, like Glenn says, you know, like hop up, off you go. So it's, it's a little bit of with the younger horses, um, listen to what your horse needs and, um, challenge him mentally more than physically yes get his brain to mature um because his body is you can't you can't rush maturation of that body it's going to be done when it's done but you can take whatever brain cells he does have as a two or three or four year old and encourage them to mature at the best rate and that's really going to what what's going to put you ahead of the game when he turns six and and then you don't have a, a worn out body. And that when I was in Germany, they were saying uh, a bunch of people would say this that the horse has the attention span length of the number of years it is old doubled. So it's six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> For minutes. Oh, but minutes. So oh. Year old. You got six minutes of that horse really actually being able to stay focused, and then they're just like, ah, well, "That's pretty. That's here. pretty bad for the eventers who have to ride a twelve-minute <laughs> cross-country course." Well, but they're probably only thinking hard, you know, when when they're coming. That's to true. The they're obstacle. only thinking hard they're at the skinnies. Right. <laughs> yeah, at the skinnies, they're getting loose. They're running, and they're probably like staring at the sky and you know enjoying the run. And oh, there's a hurdle. <laughs> that's only you know, a few seconds. So when you really add it up. You know, it's different if you're talking about, you know, like a fourth level dressage test or something, you know, on oh, one of these fun. little guys. But, you know, even for the jumping, like when you start jumping, you're like the bar's set really low. Like you can't just badger them with you have to do it right. You're just like, okay, basics, like just get over the hurdle, like go to the other side. Great. And you do that for Gold stars and sparkles, yeah, have I, a carrot. Good. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. But really, when you think about the number, the, the minutes, I think that keeps it in perspective, like really what, mm-hmm. what you can accomplish inside mm-hmm. of a session and at an age of the horse. There you go. Well, this has been a fascinating adventure through jumping once again, Emily. Thanks for stopping by. And I think uh, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Thank you very much, listeners and auditors, for your questions. Keep them coming. We're going to do this again next month. Uh, and you can also email your questions to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Make sure you put in the subject line question and not complaint because it go- does go to a different place. Yes. Nobody likes those. <laughs> You can find links to today's guests and our show notes, and that's going to be found at horsesinthemorning.com. And you can follow us on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Uh, That's where lots of conversations happen, and we also put a link to every day's show there. And if you're a tweeter and you like to live your life 150 characters at a time, you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And make sure you have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Or if you're old school, you can subscribe via iTunes. And I think that's about it. You got it. Good talking to you guys. Thank you. Bye, Emily. Be safe. Bye.
That's your cue, Glenn. You can press uh, I, I'm trying to press the button. <laughs> <laughs> Having difficulty. Hey, we made it. It didn't crash. Yay!